Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hey, Christy. Oh, hi, Will. How are you? I feel like a hot pile of garbage. Oh, that's great. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you look like a hot pile of garbage. Uh, this, I already I'm knew kidding. This. You look, I've never seen you not look amazing. You look awesome even Stop. now. I, you're sick, aren't you? I am. I am. So basically I had, um, you know, I, I stayed behind, which we should definitely talk about because we haven't touched base on how San Francisco went. Yeah. Um, and we're such a tag team that, um, I don't know how you survived without me. (laughs) I barely did. Everyone missed you so much. No, really. You have no idea how the fans were really bummed. You weren't there. Oh my gosh. And we're so looking forward to it and really wanted to see you. So not to make you feel guilty, but you ruined lots of people's lives. More garbage on top of garbage. You're just throwing garbage. On a dumpster no, fire. Everybody understood. <laughs> everybody, of course, understood. Uh, that's yeah. what you do when you have, you know, little kids and family and everything going on around you. I totally understand that. But well, there were the people sick. were bummed. You couldn't be there. Yeah, people were bummed. You um, but tell so tell me, let's review. So you went to San Francisco. I went to Fan Expo San Francisco, which was a first year convention. And sometimes first year conventions are hit or miss. You know, they're trying to find their audience sometimes. It was great. Uh, the people were uh, so fr- I mean, like every convention we've been to, the people were incredibly friendly. Um, so accepting and loving. I've always said, I wish the entire world could be like a convention. I recorded an episode with Steve Bloom. Oh my gosh, um, how did that go? It was so much fun. We okay. had the live, a giant live podcast room. It was, I would say by the end, 90% full. Once again, the audience stepped up. Joe Woe's drawing for us live. Uh, everybody doing the voices. It was, we had a, 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 I'm not going to say who, but a very special voiceover guest who popped in in the audience who then jumped in line. Uh, We had, it was a ridiculous amount of fun not to make pile even more hot garbage on top of your hot garbage. But I'm just happy for the podcast. It was great. No, it was great. It went and we, we, we gave you several shout outs in that we were mean to you saying we were glad you weren't there. I'm sure Um, (laughs) I can expect that. That's what happens if you don't show up. No, we missed you a ton, but it was. I'll it have was to make a lot it up. of fun. I just don't know how. Um, we'll figure. We'll figure out. We always yeah. do. You're. You know. It's. It's. It's not a problem. But we. Yeah. Um. 
it was it was a, a really a lot of fun it really was. that's so really I, but that's seriously that's so good it's it's really like we're in this place right now with our podcast here that we're trying to get the word out and so you know i don't know if you've been an avid listener if you i have you know, been. you are yes oh i didn't know if you're talking to me oh to gotcha okay gotcha and if there are avid listeners out there that do want to like you know promote it and throw up a hashtag and at and get the word out. I mean, we really appreciate that. I appreciate that a good review, right? Like yeah. on Apple or wherever. But it was no, I mean, the whole thing was nuts. Uh, for instance, and we'll, you'll hear this in the interview, but Steve Bloom holds four Guinness Book of World Records when it comes to voiceover. What? Yeah. And How he didn't possible? know three of them. Really? Oh, yeah. Did it was you, great. It, you it, did it, your work. Because his man, no, well, I did my work, but the man, his manager also came up and was like, you know, he holds it. it was like most times ever playing Wolverine in, in video games and blah, blah, blah. Most prolific voice actor. He He's done something like 600 voiceover roles. I mean, it's it's insane. That's insane. Yeah. So he held all these kind. He was, and it, of course, I've also known him for 15, 20 years, and he's my D&D buddy. Oh, so, um, and his real life wife is my D&D wife. So, Wait, what now? Oh, what yeah, yeah. are the so nerds our doing? Our characters on Critical Role are married and have kids. Oh my goodness. Um so uh oh, yeah, my hey, goodness. But, but he married her in real life uh as a as a woman, uh, a beautiful woman. <laughs> I married her on D&D as a tiefling. Um which so... is a elf or something? Oh, Christy. Oh, Christy. Oh, Christy. <laughs> oh, I don't have you time gotta to explain the TV. No, but you to, have Christy. to. Don't you see that? Look, you know what? I am in love with Critical Role and what they're doing. I actually, um, I've known Sam Regal like my whole life. Yeah. Um, and his sister Eden, that we she was my Spanish tutor, and Sam was like always this like um really cool older brother type. And Sam Regal does this, have that vibe, doesn't he? He totally does. I mean, he went to Harvard and he was such a smart guy and just such a good person. Always, 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 always. And it's so great to see him. Like, literally, we're talking about a guy who was like, um, went to Harvard, like I said, really wonderful son, really wonderful brother. And then on top of that, he was like a, in the acapella cup, like group in, at Harvard. Oh, and they were like, awesome. really, they were like almost famous. They were so good. So it's so weird to me that Sam's got this like whole new life. As not, not only, only that, but he's not just a critical role, but he's an incredible voiceover director. That's what I was saying. Like it's that was what was yeah. really strange to me that I just yeah. bumped into him and I'm like, this is really weird. He's a director. I saw him at um, the studios, not L.A. studios, but those other studios that they're using now. Which down in um, Magnolia. Magno Magnolia. Okay. Which okay. ones are those? Is, that the, is it called Magnolia? Well, no. there's some that are Magnolia Studios or some that are Bang Zoom. There's some that Outlook. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's, you know, there's probably seven or eight that you go to mostly, yeah. you know, it's like usually you'll get, it's like, you're going to out loud or you're going to Magnolia or you're going to bang zoom or you're going, and it's like, um, yeah, after a while, you're kind of like at the same five or six, right? Like there's right. hundreds, you know, there's, yeah. it's always, and you'll always hear, you'll do some project that you don't know about. And it's like, you end up in somebody's kind of garage and you're like, <laughs> ah, this is certainly interesting. Um, but uh, no, it's yeah, the whole thing they're doing over there at Critical Role and and everything that's going on. Um, but no, we're it, it was fun. It was fun. We mi mm -hmm. we certainly missed you. The fans certainly missed you. Okay. Um, but we had a blast. But <laughs> okay. he, so here's the thing we wanted to talk about a little bit on this oh, okay. very special episode of I Hear Voices. Not like a very special episode of Different Strokes, but a very special episode of I Hear Voices. <laughs> um, where for the first time we realized Christy and I have never really talked to each other. 
about our voiceover gigs. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind, I'd like to start, Christy, with the spotlight pointed at you. Oh, man. Okay, sure. That's cool. (laughs) We'll do it. We'll be, we know each other well enough. We'll be brief for both of us. This will be, we'll we'll see, there's your plants. Your plants are going well. (laughs) He he makes fun of me because we do Zooms as well here. And so I I usually, I I moved into a new house and I didn't have any pictures on the wall. And then I put pictures on the wall one week. And then I literally put this tree behind me. It's this fake ficus tree. Yeah. And um, hashtag fake ficus. And now I'm getting my head caught in it nice. all, as well, an again, attempt to make it home. It's good because when you first the first time you recorded in there, it looked like you were being held against your will. So this is. <laughs> and I don't even have the light on anymore. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> I think we're good. I think we're, we're good. good. We're good. So Christy Carlson Romano, I'm very curious. What was the first voiceover gig you ever did? And how did you get into the world of voiceover? Interestingly enough, I started doing voice acting when I was very young. Um, I have still to this day, I have a recording of me doing my first audiobook when I was about 12. Wow. Do you remember the book? What was the book? Um, I think it was Junie B. Jones. Okay. Um, and I think it's like, I think it's like a children's like it was some sort of a children's story anthology. And I remember a lot about that experience because I had done a lot of theater and I had done a lot of um, even some independent films and stuff like that, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. But being caught in sort of this little room, this padded room where it's so quiet yeah. and it's so calm. Yeah, isn't it wonderful? It was a really interesting experience and introduction and then like you, you're very, you know, when you're a little performer, like you've got a lot of energy, you've got a lot of thoughts. And then, like you said, you're put into a room and you're tasked with reading an entire book. Now, mind you, I guess I was a pretty good reader to be like 12 and doing like, you know. Sure, you must But it been. was, I don't think it was advanced enough. And I had been reading scripts my whole life since, you know, I was like seven or so. So I think that I think about my kids and she's just about to turn six and I'm like, we're not there yet. She couldn't possibly she's not reading really. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, 12 is a really good age. I think as a, as an early introduction to even something as simple as, you know, some sort of small book reading experience or I, 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 here's the thing. So when people ask me about like, okay, on camera, are you going to put your kids in the business and all that stuff? Obviously it's a complex issue, but at the same time, I think when it comes to voice acting and we've talked about this in the past, the voiceover community is so positive. Yeah. And it's very, very sweet. Like I remember Tim Ditlow, I'm going to say a specific name. He was the head of um, Random House um, Books on Tape. And they had just started to emerge as a sort of force for audiobooks. Audiobooks started to become something yeah. real. And so, you know, we're going back how many years? I'm 38, you know? Um, and so this was new, you know, this was kind of a new technology. Uh, the voice recording was not, but for the purposes and the protocols of sitting down and reading a book, that was sort of becoming a booming business at that point. So anyway, I just remember sitting there and drinking tea because I drank a lot of tea, even from a young age, from being like a singer and doing theater. And I just remember, I think somebody got me a croissant. So here's the interesting thing, right? Like, I think there's this saying of like, I think a therapist told me this once upon a time. When you go into a room and you sit in a certain chair, 
you're more than likely when you re-enter that room, even if it's a different day, to sit back in that chair, that same chair. You tend to like repeat. Oh, okay. And I, Interesting. I've noticed that I that that you know people are creatures of habit. So for sure. me, the tea and like a croissant, if it's like a long record, there's certain things that actually help that may not help say your voice, um, but they help sort of activate my abilities to like focus on the work. So it's and, almost Pavlovian for you, where it's like you sit down, you're in the chair, you've got the tea, you've got the the croissant. Uh, as they say it, and uh, with the perfect lamination because the butter's been folded in just right. Or, I, or something hell's to pay, you know? Or exactly. <laughs> and so that brings you right into like pot, like like voiceover mind. I think so. I think nice. that like when I'm in the booth, which we really have never talked about, um, I feel very safe. I feel very, almost like um, I'm in, in utero. Well, that makes sense. I, I right? kinda, it kind of makes sense because it is, in a way, it's almost like a working sensory deprivation tank because it's it's, you know, usually not really bright. Sometimes it is, but usually not really bright, uh, especially now after the pandemic, when I, I, I'm one of those people where even during the pandemic, I went to the studio. I observe all the protocols, but I do not like recording from my house. I like recording podcasts from my house because hmm. there's a homey, comfy feeling about being in my my room in my booth here and recording. But when I'm working, I want to feel like I'm working and I don't feel like I'm working when I'm working from home. That's okay. what I like about the podcast because I don't want a podcast to feel like work. I want it to feel like a conversation. Exactly. But when You're I'm very working, I want to work. And so I want to put on pants. I want to put on shoes. I want to get in my car. I want to drive to a place. I want to get out. I want to put on my headphones. I want to work. Do so you think that, I do you think that. that Kevin um, Conroy, who has mm -hmm. since passed, do you think that that sort of protocol and sort of do you think that that influenced you in terms of oh, your very relationship much. to I very much i think not only that but it's also it was before i even met kevin who was obviously my 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 voiceover guru um i'd been working with william daniels mr feeney yeah. on on boy meets world and and he he taught us professionalism like you are a professional you are there early you are prepared to go you do not keep other actors waiting. It does not matter if you are 12. These, this is what you do. This is you are a professional. So I took that to every aspect of the industry. So voiceover, I mean, voiceover, some of the greatest actors in the world, but you do meet some that can show up a little late, haven't read the script, um, that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, that's one way to look at it. It's just not how I look at it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, but I get what you're saying exactly about that feeling, especially now, What as I was saying, with the pandemic, I'm I'm still going to the studio, but you're no longer in the giant studios that there used to house 15 actors. Now you're in a much smaller studio and they shut that door behind you. And there's like, it's like part of the air gets sucked into the room and you're like, the it's door like an shuts. audible sound. Yes. And you're like, door, oh, I'm here to work now. I'm here. And the door mm -hmm. shuts and all the sound goes away. You're focused on the screen in front of you or the, the pages in front of you, the microphones in front of you. The only voice you hear comes through your headphones. It's like a distant kind of echo. And I get exactly what you're saying. It, it, if you are in utero, it's the doctor. You hear the doctor through, you know, as you're being born going like, all right, get ready to push. Like that's the voice in your head. <laughs> um, but the joy is when it's all done, you don't have a stupid kid. You've got a great cartoon. <laughs> um, so that's the... 
that's the awesomeness. So, uh, so yeah, I was very young when, when we think back to it and it's like, I, I just have a very visceral memory of what that felt like because, and, and then, and, and honoring my love of that experience, I was, I felt even more and more blessed to be in rooms in LA because where I was doing this was all in New York. I was doing a lot of my recording and yeah, where I was living. Well, we were Connecticut kids. So that's, that's where you went. That's where you went to work. You went to New York. Well, and I also went to performing arts school. So I was already in New York. Right. 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 Yeah. So it would be like, okay, I'm going to cut school or I I leave early and I go to my recording session, um, you know, down on ninth or 10th or wherever the, because like the recording area is in the Valley in Los Angeles. Yeah. But it's very different where they'll record in New York City. Yeah. Like Soho had a lot of voice. Hell's Kitchen did too, right? Like around Mm -hmm. 55th and 9th, 55th and 10th, like that whole kind of area. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that Unitel video around there, all that kind of stuff. You did a lot of stuff around there too. Yeah, a bit more scattered, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, you know, and and also too in in New York, it's more like ad, uh, Mad Men kind of ad stuff. Sure, sure. I remember going on voice acting auditions, which were mostly not jingles, but they were mostly commercials and stuff like that for a long time. I think that's what my introduction to voice acting was. But we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. And I think that my initial way in to turning a phrase or trying to get a job, which I started to get pretty good at, um, even in my younger years before going to L.A., um, I think it it's just a matter of being a singer and knowing that intonation is helpful. It's like a one for one. It's sure. a song. And it's and there's another thing that when I started acting, they say, well, read your script as many times as possible. Right. Like at least 10 times before you even start trying to memorize the lines or perform it. And I'm sure that's some method, but I don't know which one it is. And so I didn't necessarily read a ton of times, but I think I had a natural inclination to sort of honor the sing-songiness of Mm -hmm. a script. So I think even if you don't have a ton of training, you can, and you're a singer, I think you can probably approach, you know, voice acting easier. Yeah, that's my- Yeah, I didn't, that whole read your script 10 times that I read my script, obviously every time, but I don't want to overread. I don't want to over-rehearse. I don't want to read a script 10 times. I want to read it once and then I want to keep it fresh. I was going to say, do you stop? Do you stop at a certain point and you're saying, I'm doing this too much? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's times where some of the worst auditions I've ever had in my life were things that I over rehearsed. Interesting. It's just, oh, my God, I want this so bad. So I'm going to I'm going to rehearse 15 times. And then you get in there and your mind is like, wait, I didn't do that in the rehearsal I wanted to do. Why did I why is that beat different? Why? And then you start second guessing yourself. Whereas if it's still fresh, you're still finding the beats. And, you know, that's like one of the the first um pieces of advice I was given as an on-camera actor as a kid I was you know 11 whatever it was was I don't care how many times you audition for something always hold your script because mm-hmm. in the mind of the people watching your audition it means you are not yet off book so there's more places to go with the performance than just what you see in the room as opposed to you walk in you're off book hey this is what I got they are in their minds they're like this is all we're ever going to get because this is as rehearsed as we're going to get with this kid yeah um so that kind of always hold your script always resonated with me because it is it's that psychological like oh there's still more to come from this actor because they have yet to reach the potential of this character you can tell they're still on book 
Wait, so, so but are you actually off book holding the paper? It's a bit, it would depend on the role. It would okay, depend on I get the anxiety when I hold the paper. And... Oh, really? I love holding some. I love not mm -hmm. having to think about my hands. So having yeah. something to, to occupy my that hands. That makes sense. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that, too. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. You know what? I'm actually interested. What is one of your worst auditions? I know my exact worst audition ever. Okay, you gotta tell it me. wasn't, it was for on camera though. It wasn't for. That's okay. Mine was for theater and I'll tell you. Okay. I have, I have two, one that was funny, one that was horrifying. So the funny I have one two as well. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> so the funny one was, uh, I was a huge family ties fan. Like I mm -hmm. love my Michael J. Fox and family ties was all I ever wanted to be. Michael J. Fox and family ties and, and Alan Alda and Ma in mash were yeah. like the reasons I became an actor. So Gary, David Goldberg, who created, um, uh, uh, family ties was creating a new show called Brooklyn bridge. And I was going to New York to audition for Gary David Goldberg himself. And I was mortified, excited, every superlative you could think of. And in my audition piece, I had to walk downstairs and the character playing my mom said, hey, what do you want for dinner? And I was supposed to say, oh, come on, it's eight o'clock in the morning. It's a little hard to get excited about dinner. So I'm rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing and I get walked down, you know, get into the, the room and they say action. And the, the woman reading from my mom says, hey, what do you want for dinner? And I say, it's eight o'clock in the morning. I can't get hard about dinner. Oh, no. And the room was no. dead silent. And it was, thank you very much. And I walked out. And <gasps> that was it. And I was like, that was my one shot in front of Gary David Goldberg. And that's the line that came out of my mouth. I can't get hard about dinner. Oh no. And it was because of that, that they didn't, what? Well, no, I don't know. It was just, but it was just, it was so out of left field. And so like, what the hell was that? Oh no. Um, Wait, and so it's you because stopped I had over went... rehearsed. No, I went through the rest of the scene, but by that point it was, the room was dead. Oh, um, there was no air no. left in the room. Um, so that was my worst uh, funny one worst as a kid, but my worst audition ever. And it was strictly, f and it didn't even want this role all that badly. If I'm honest, um, it was, strictly from over rehearsing it was i rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed because i wanted to walk in and nail it i didn't care about the role it was more about me wanting to nail it 
and it was for a role in that really turned out to be not great um, disaster movie, The Core. Okay. Where the where the earth the core of the earth stops spinning, so they have to go to like the center of the earth. Stanley Tucci was brilliant, but you know it wasn't the best movie in the world. Got it. Um, and I read for the part of Rat, who was the computer hacker guy, and the guy they ended up casting has always played the computer hacker and is brilliant. So they would have cast him anyway, even if mm -hmm. I went in and nailed this thing. <laughs> this was obviously the guy that was supposed to play the role. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just I couldn't get through it. I kept stopping and starting myself to the point where the woman, the casting director stopped the recording and walked up to me and was like, are you okay? Like oh, you need man. to relax. And I, and this, but I had already done boy meets world. Like I had been an actor for years by this yeah, point, yeah, yeah. but I had so over rehearsed it that I just, I couldn't get through that. And I remember going kind of like, thank you. And like, I'm not sure I ever even finished the audition. Oof, um, so it was just harsh. So those are my two. What do you got? Oh, so yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of if I've ever had a bad voice over audition. And I can't say that I have because I really feel like when you go in, um, especially if you go into a studio and they have a director there and they really are rooting for you to do a good audition. Sure. Whereas I feel like when you go into a theater audition or a in-person camera whatever audition i feel like you're wasting their time you know and it's like i can see that that's kind of an interesting way to look at it yeah you do get that vibe sometimes <laughs> totally yeah i mean it's like they've got a problem and then i say in, in acting class they're always like well just act as if you're there to solve their problem it's like i can't do the mental gymnastics it's hard so <laughs> that's why voice acting is so freeing even in the yeah. it's it's also so validating even in the the process, the audition process. It's yeah. it's like, you know what, I did my best work. And I think when you take out the stress of all that, for me in particular, I can give my best performance or a better performance more consistently, or at least that's what I think. Um, oh, you know what I think? <laughs> okay, I'm trying to think. There was only one time I did a voice acting audition with the lady who is a big, uh, she casts for all like the McFarlane shows. Okay. Anyway, she she was very, um, she was very specific about me coming in and auditioning for something. And she was really trying to help me, but it almost seemed like she was almost trying to reinvent my voice talent. And uh -huh. she was trying to kind of really quote unquote, dig deep into me becoming sort of a different voice or finding a voice inside me and bringing it out. Now, that being said, I appreciate that she took the time to do that on a casting level. But when you think about somebody who's trying to cast versus somebody like Andrea Romano, mm -hmm. who's literally able to pull something out of you um, because I don't know if it's her philosophy about life. It's a different style. It's just a different, you get that with on-camera actors too. I mean, you get some on-camera on directors, you know, they just have different styles and you know, it, George Lucas, who does all the Star Wars movies and everything else, famously does not like actors, has said, if I could replace all actors with robots, I would. Hmm. So there's some people that just they don't have the the. it's not even a talent. It's just the the capacity to pull that out of an actor. I mean, there's certain I, I always use Arnold. You have to love actors. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. I think well, you yeah, hit the nail on the <laughs> But it's also how you have to work with him. I, I use Arnold Schwarzenegger as an example. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, people are like, God, he's really not that great an actor. But if you watch Arnold Schwarzenegger in a James Cameron movie, he's awesome. So it's like for some reason, James Cameron can pull a performance out of Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Mm-hmm. So there's certain directors and certain actors that when they work together, you're like, that's a, that's great chemistry. That works really well. And Andrea has that, you know, uh, Lisa, Lisa Schaefer has that. So I would argue Sam Regal has that. Totally. Um, Colette Sunderman has that. There are some people that you just when you when you work with them, they are supportive and they know you as an actor well enough to maybe say what you need to hear, maybe say what you don't need to hear, but need to hear if that makes any sense. Um, and they can they can get what they need from you. Yeah. Um, I'm still di- I'm still dying to know, though, what your bad show audition was. Your I, bad, have two. Your... I have two. I have two. One and, and actually both of them were theater. Okay. okay. So that's interesting. Um, the first one was uh, Westport uh, Playhouse. Right. Okay. They, they in Connecticut where we're from. Yep. They have Shakespeare there and they have uh, they had Romeo and Juliet. And I was so excited and I really tried to understand I'd never done Shakespeare. I wasn't trained in this whole different beast. Yeah, dude, so hard to remember those lines. Oh, yeah. Shakespeare. Yeah. And I'd been doing and I had done, you know, Broadway productions and theaters and stuff like I've done a whole different thing. Yeah, I go and I try so hard. And just like you said about that one audition, I stumbled through the entire Juliet, you know, balcony scene. And I literally had soft wet light through window breaks. No, I see. That's not English. That's not. Is the East and Juliet is the sun arise, fair sun, and kill thy envious moon who is sick You can do Shakespeare. I can do that scene. I mean, that's it. I can't do Shakespeare at all. No, I can't. I cannot do Shakespeare at all. It is. It is a different language. I mean, it is quite. It's a different language. So yeah, I basically walked into another country and tried to speak the language like I'd been speaking it professionally. That's a perfect way to, (laughs) that's a perfect analogy for Shakespeare. It It was devastating and also humbling. I think it was really humbling and it gave me so much more respect for people because I think that I had thought as a young performer, I must've been like 16, 17. It was before Disney though. So maybe, was it before Disney? I think it was about 16 and I was just cocky and I was like, you know, I'd done theater and Mm -hmm. then you go and you try and do the Shakespeare thing and you're like, oh no, this is not, this is not the same. Totally different, totally different thing. And then I also was super humbled on my birthday of all days. Oh no, happy birthday. Oh my gosh. There was this play called Vanities that was really popular and ended up going, I think like to Broadway something like years ago. I think I was turning like 24 and it was my birthday and I hadn't really gone out for a lot of um, musical theater auditions like just being in LA, you don't get a ton of them. And so I was like, okay, this is a big deal. They're out here in LA. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, um, I'm going to go to the juice bar and I'm going to get like a special drink or whatever and make sure my voice is all good. Well, I get this special drink and it's my birthday. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'll get this drink. It'll just put me in the mood to really like have energy and I'll feel like clean. Well, it has cayenne pepper in it. Oh no. And some people, I think in terms of their vocal, like workings, pepper's bad, right? Some people do really well with cayenne Uh, pepper, but it has to be, I think a certain amount. And I think it has to be counterbalanced in terms of the acidity or the, you know, like you have to have slippery elm mixed in with, you know, throat coat or whatever with a little cayenne pepper, maybe. Cause I think I had remembered there was a, a really amazing singer on a, a show I did called Parade on Broadway. And he had this throat coat that he would mix with some cayenne pepper. And I was like, oh, cayenne pepper will help. Okay. And turns out that it like took my voice like completely away from me. Oh no. I tried to do my best and I just botched that whole audition. I botched the music. I botched the music I prepared. I forgot oh, the words. No. It was like just such a cluster F. 
And, um, and I think, I don't know, I think maybe in retrospect, it humbles you and in terms of being an artist. And I think there's something to be said for, you know, being an artist is a very, like, um, it's not the best. You are tortured in one way or another. Yeah, again, it depends. I uh, There's obviously certain things in my career that I look back at and would do differently and everything. But to me, being an artist is the best. I love it. Um, even the horrible parts of it, I love. But I have to imagine that's life. You know, it's it's there's there's good and bad in everything you do. Um, I always that's joke true. about never wanting children. I, I'm guessing since so many people are doing it, there's good parts in that as well. Um, yes, I don't I know what, what they saying. are, but they're they're <laughs> they're probably there. Uh, so, I mean, I think, you know, it's one of those things where I, I was never see. It's so funny because I never considered myself an actor, if that sounds strange, but I didn't. I always consider myself an entertainer because hmm. I like to entertain people. I The idea that I'm going to go off and my goal is to go star in some movie to try to win an Academy Award. That ain't never going to happen, nor was it ever going to happen, nor was that ever my goal. I don't have those skills to go in. Wow. Like you say, Shakespeare, I don't have, I, I can do Shakespeare. That's not your calling. So no, it's a whole hmm. different beast. Um, and I can't hmm. wait for you to hear the Steve Bloom, uh, Steve Bloom interview about how he got started and his first job. He literally worked, went from a mailroom and he worked, did this voiceover job for a friend of his making sounds for pizza. That's what he what? got paid. He got paid pizza. To oh. go his to go to do his first job ever. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So it's uh you know it's, it's been some good pizza. You don't know <laughs> where where people can start or what they can do, but well, but then it's interesting, like when you say like in terms of what your goal was, your calling, so to speak, like you knew you had a relationship to your art form in a very intimate way. My art form consisted of until I really learned how to how to make people laugh the right way. My art form as a kid consisted of walking to a room and essentially yelling, everyone look at me. That was, that was my art form. I wanted to be the center of attention. I wanted to make people laugh. I wanted to use the comedy I saw on TV and the Michael J. Fox's timing and Alan Alda's timing. That was until I, until I really got on the set of Boy Meets World and had an opportunity to work at the craft every week mm -hmm. and to find out that it was a, you know, it was comedy as a song. And and so the second I started to hear it and not only could play on beat, but play off beat, that's when I was like, oh, I get this now. Uh, but that took me years. I was 20 by the time I figured that out. Interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's and then and then there's a whole different song with voiceover. If you bring it back to VO, there's a whole different song with VO. And you see people you stand next to men and women that hear the song louder than you do, can interpret it better than you do, can play it better than you. I mean, there's just. If you're in any talent business, talent related business, there will always come a time where you're standing between two people who are better at whatever you're doing than you're you. humbled. That's yeah, just the way it is. Um, but I guess it's what you do with that humility. Like, it seems like you had this dictativeness, especially having been contracted to continue to show up and be on that show that you had to fail upwards. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I just loved it. I, I, and it, it, to me, I, I never saw it as failing, even though it was. I mean, you know, you, you, every, we always talk about how in this industry, you, you, you say no, you're, everyone says no a thousand times before you hear a yes. Um, it was, 
you know, there was a, I've talked about this kid. His name was Mike Moran. He was like my, my commercial nemesis when I was growing up. Cause he booked every single commercial in New York. Yeah. He named it and this kid booked it and yeah. I'd walk in and I'd see Mike Moran and I'd be like, well, there's no point in me staying here anymore. He's going to be you selling Cheerios. Him? I have not. I have no oh my idea. God. I love doing that sometimes where I'm like, where are they now? Where no are the people that going. I grew up? I, now I want to look up Mike Moran. What, what, what state was he in? <laughs> well, this was in New York at the time. I don't know where he was yeah. from, but he booked okay. everything. Like, were you guys like friendly? Did you just have? Yeah, it was always kind of like the, hey, how you doing thing. But he hey, was man. always booking like he'd got the big Michael Jordan Coke commercials. You're like, like, oh, all Mike that kind signed of in on the chart. Uh, yes, you'd see the sign in sheet and be like, oh, Mike Moran, my Damn, nemesis. Mike I'm, Moran is here. I'm 12 years old. How do I have a nemesis already? <laughs> uh, but it was That's true. so funny. A call uh, sheet or not a call. A sign in sheet is what you do when you walk yeah. in to an and audition. Just a sheet uh, that you have to sign in your name yeah. and your agent. And, and you and tend you to like the look at people. the names. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> you do. You look at everybody else. And oh, you have no. to keep in mind for a lot of the stuff I was auditioning for back in the late 80s, early 90s in New York, the names on the list were Leonardo DiCaprio, I was gonna say. Toby Maguire. It was that whole crew. Was really? All... So you oh, saw absolutely. them in the oh, rooms? I didn't know that. Oh, of course. These were all, you know, we were all auditioning for all the same I didn't stuff. know you we're knew all the same Leo. age. Yeah. I mean, well, oh, sure. I don't know. I don't know Leo at all. I'm not sure I've ever, I, other than, hey, what's up? I don't never shook the man's hand or, or said, you know. No, but you like, were been kids, in the same room with you him. Know? You know? Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. We that's were all really that same kind of crew so yeah 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 um, what a weird wacky world so we would be remiss though christy if we because unfortunately we've got a, this this episode is not going to be very long um <laughs> but we need to talk about some very important things oh need, oh yeah sure we have someday have been, we'll have to talk about like how we got kim and ron and all that we'll get but... we're going to do an entire episode about kim another. and ron that's another okay. one we're going to do okay cool but uh, but when you know we're you know when we're going to do that we're going to do that we're going to do an episode where we're going to bring on as many people from kim possible as possible oh that'd be you. fun and we're going to all talk about kim possible so everyone will be here <laughs> Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like, I never liked being told, oh wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today we'd like to talk about the super awesome contest to become the next big voiceover actor because we're still as you must imagine figuring out all the legal stuff because um it, it, we it, there's so many moving parts i was that, gonna say why is it so legal 
Well, it's legal because there's so many things you're going to win. We've talked about you get flown out to Los Angeles. You're having lunch with us. You win $1,000. You're recording stuff for I Hear Voices. You win, and this is just the most insane thing in the world, a one-year contract. And anytime I talk to another voiceover actor and I tell them that that's one of the prizes, they freak out. Yeah, their mouths open. And they're like, are you kidding me? You are giving away a a, a one-year contract with a voiceover agency? Getting an agent in, in Hollywood is the most difficult thing to do in any part of the business look i want to call it a big break but will doesn't want to call it a big break it's well, because... because it's it's a possibility of your big break because okay. the, you've got to still make your break we that's true somebody can't give you your big break you've got to earn your big break there's no such thing as a big break but if there was right. this, would be it. this would be it we are you you're gonna earn your your stripes but we're gonna open the door that's how i look well and i think I them forward. doing the contest is part part of the earning absolutely you know, like oh the, absolutely it's going to be so much fun. But until then, as Christy was saying, first of all, I think I could speak for everybody in the audience, Christy, when I say feel better. Oh, um, you are you. A, a super mom worse. and super no, wife you. and you had everything going on. And so you still yeah. you did it all while being sick. But now you need to take care of yourself a little bit because we got big things happening. Yo. Big so things. you got to you got to take care of your health. I'm bouncing uh, back and um, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to find a star. We're going to find a we star. We are. We are. We're yeah. going to find the next big voice actor. We really we're are. Uh, mm-hmm. We were, we are not looking for a contest winner. We are looking for a colleague. So that is what we are out there trying to find. Uh, mm-hmm. And we will. Uh, so until then, if you think you have what it takes to, to step up to the microphone, then put your voices where your mouth is. It's coming people get ready. I Hear Voices is hosted by Will Friedle and Christy Carlson Romano. Executive produced by Will Friedle, Brendan Rooney, Amy Sugarman, and Vicki Ernst Chang. Our executive in charge of production is Danielle Romo. Our producer is Lorraine Virawez, and our editor slash engineer is Brian Burton. And that uh, was my announcer voice. Some side effects of listening to I Hear Voices are sore abs from hilarity, falling down the cocoa melon rabbit hole, sneezing due to mass nostalgia, and hugs. Follow I Hear Voices wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of the amazing voices. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at I Hear Voices Podcast. You can also check us out on MySpace, Omegle, Vine, LimeWire, AAM, and Napster. Okay, well, let's teach you about the internet. The who? Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.